All right, welcome back to another episode of The Signal. I'm Martha DeGrasse here for Wi-Fi Alliance, and this is our podcast where we give you the inside track on Wi-Fi. These are meant to be smart conversations with industry leaders. And today we are delighted to welcome Chris LaPrey. He is head of technology at Connectivity Standards Alliance. Chris, welcome to The Signal. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be great. There's a lot of news around what you're doing with Matter, and I think it would be great if we could start off by just explaining what Connectivity Standards Alliance is. I think a lot of people knew what Zigbee was, but just to make sure that everybody understands that connection, I think that would be a good place to start. Yeah, sure. So um, as, as you mentioned, we were the Zigbee Alliance as of a little over a year ago. And going back about three years, the Zigbee Alliance was where we were calling Project Connected Home over IP, which now matter, also started. So at that point in time, we were a two standards alliance, one of the names being the name of the alliance, which really didn't make sense. So we took about a year and a half or two to work with an agency and come up with the new name, Connectivity Standards Alliance. So technically, we're still the Zigbee Alliance, uh, as we were before, but now we're a, a multi-standards alliance. And so we've got those two, which, which we mentioned, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Matter. And like you said, everyone knows about Zigbee already. We've also started a data model working group, which represents a common data model between those two, an access control working group, which is looking into a, an aligned access effectively a, um, a digital certificate representing a person or, or a thing, and a product security working group. So now we're five working groups all underneath the Connectivity Standards Alliance, and we're working on a few more to follow soon. Oh, that's really interesting. I think Matter is going to eventually make the smart home a lot easier for consumers. Give us a little bit of an overview of what Matter is and, and where it stands right now. Yeah, so Matter is primarily a specification, but it's also a standard and a data model all lumped into one such that a consumer can very easily look at an IoT device on the shelf and know that it will work in their home. You know, I like to at least joke that historically, and it's still today, you take some IoT device off the shelf and there's the hieroglyphics on the back of the box. You know, and Wi-Fi plays into that to a degree, but I think Wi-Fi is pretty straightforward on what Wi-Fi is and everyone knows that. But then there's the things like Bluetooth or Z-Wave or Zigbee even, and all these other things on the back. And then layered on top of that are all the works with logos, the different companies that have their own works with programs that, that certify that devices do work with them. And But then on top of that, you also have interoperability through devices, right? Like I might connect some device to my Alexa and some other device to my HomeKit, and I connect rules across those two such that this device can talk to that device. But now it's using this protocol and this rule and that protocol to get something done. And if something breaks, you just don't know where it's broken. And so it's really confusing. And then when I'm back to what my original problem was, like if I'm trying to buy something, can I put this somewhere in my home network and get it to work or not? You know, you end up having to be a network engineer to try to figure out if your smart home is going to work the way things are now. With the adoption promise that we had coming into the announcement of Connected Home over IP now matter. This was to solve that problem. All the major ecosystems are going to use this protocol natively. So you can sort of choose your ecosystem and matter will work in that ecosystem. So it really simplifies things for device manufacturers uh, in particular, but consumers as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wi-Fi is taken for granted now. We, we bring all kinds of things into our home and we assume that they'll all connect to the Wi-Fi network that we have and then talk to one another. And this is really the same idea for the IoT devices, right? Yeah, totally. I, I think Wi-Fi is the ubiquitous standard for a laptop or something talking 
to the network in your home. You guys have just done a fascinating job, not fascinating, but fantastic job. Fascinating as well, but fantastic job is what I meant. You know, over the last 20 some odd years, getting, it's the ubiquity of it, right? Like any laptop, any device, Wi-Fi just works. And I think to a degree, the success there has confused the smart home market to a degree, right? Like when, cause when I was at Lowe's in particular, lots of devices were Wi-Fi, but they were some proprietary protocol on top of Wi-Fi. You know, you didn't know what the language was probably used Bluetooth to do some pairing trick in the beginning. And then, like I said, was using some proprietary protocol. So you needed a different app to then control that device specifically. And then there were things like smart things. Iris was one of them as well that supported everything. But then it was a lot of work for us to support all those different proprietary protocols to get that to work. It was Wi-Fi underneath. And so you guys were doing your job just great, but nobody had a common language above that. And that was really something that let's say eight, nine, 10 years ago, was part of the genesis of, of where matter came about today, conversations about how that was true, how complicated that was for consumers, as I was saying before, and where that led to, to matter today being on top of Wi-Fi for sure and other protocols as well. But it's that common language of what is a light bulb supposed to say? What is a door lock supposed to say? As opposed to everybody doing something slightly different for that. Great. And the underlying Zigbee chips, this is 2.4 and then 915 megahertz. So both frequencies that, that Wi-Fi supports or that support Wi-Fi, right? So Matter specifies Wi-Fi and helps you get on the Wi-Fi network. So there's like a barcode and other ways of getting onto the Wi-Fi network, basically getting the Wi-Fi password, choosing an access point, getting the password there. But we don't really specify anything about what's below that. So you're on a Wi-Fi network. Could be Wi-Fi 6, could be some ancient Wi-Fi, 900 megahertz. So it's just Wi-Fi from our perspective. Okay, so you bring up Wi-Fi 6. Do you expect that to enable new use cases for smart home devices? Yeah, I think we do. But we actually just started a Tiger Team today, in fact, that is looking into the use cases that can be sensed with something like a Wi-Fi network. Again, we don't call out the lower level technology. You could be using LiDAR or, or some ridiculously expensive sensors, but then you could be detecting in the room, like right now we have in our data model, we have occupancy, right? There's motions detected, so someone could be detecting that I'm in this room right now and they could turn the lights on or, or turn the lights off. But they don't know if there's one person in the room or five people in the room or anything else. But these new sensors, and I know you are probably familiar with some of these Wi-Fi mesh, startups in particular, but some of the established companies can use a mesh to determine that there's three adults, two kids, a dog and a cat in that room. And you know what? In fact, one of those people are laying down and someone else just fell. Those are the kinds of technologies that are coming out of Wi-Fi mesh sensing. And like I said, we're not dictating that it be Wi-Fi mesh that is presenting the information into our network. It might be something different like LiDAR or millimeter wave or any kinds of sensors that are getting cheaper and cheaper and might end up into devices and homes. But basically, what is all that data that is coming in the sensing sense? And what does it present? Things like, is someone laying down in this room? Has someone just fallen and not gotten up? Or have they gotten right back up? Those are two different emergency use cases. And those are the kinds of things that we're working to put into our data model, such that then higher level use cases can then use that information. The aging in place example or energy management often come to mind. If there's six people in the room, you should probably run the air conditioner a little higher than you might if there's only two people in the room or no people in the room, you might want to stop the air conditioner. And again, if someone has fallen and you don't even necessarily need a button anymore to push to say, I've fallen and I can't get up, it's now I've fallen and I see you haven't gotten up. We are sending someone to come 
take care of you. And you know what? If you've set the rules properly, we might open the door for them as well. The police are out, outside, the fire department's right outside the front door. They don't have to knock your door down anymore. They can just come right in because you have a smart lock that uses matter and they know there's an emergency situation. They know emergency personnel's on the other side of the door. Open the door. Friends of mine at least have had their mother, their hip is broken and they've broken down their door three times because she just can't get up. She can't unlock the door. So they've got to break the door down. And then the door's broken they take her away to the hospital and now the door's broken and wide open for couple of hours at least. So that's a horrible situation. It's not as bad as her hip, of course, hurting, but it's still part of the problems that the, the IOT can solve. And it's part of what matters definitely looking into to solve. And the starting point of the question, sorry, I've gotten a little bit far afield, but it's definitely Wi-Fi type technologies like Wi-Fi 6, the mesh that it's bringing that are enabling those really, really smart people from inventing those kinds of sensors that we're just enabling in terms of, of the data model. Yeah, that's really exciting. Can you tell us anything about the devices or even the types of devices that will be supported by Matter at launch? Yeah, so we're targeting basically what you can go to the store or Amazon and buy today. So the primary sets of device types that we're targeting at launch are light bulbs and smart plugs, smart switches, so do-it-yourself security type devices. So I mentioned those, those simpler security devices, motion sensors, contact sensors for doors, door locks, thermostats, window coverings, garage door openers. I'm trying not to miss anything. That's, that's a good list. Okay. And what about beyond the home? What about maybe industrial use cases, hospitals, farms, or probably a lot of other places where matter will be adopted and be very useful? Yeah, so I mentioned that we have a data model working group. So basically Zigbee has been used in a lot of these spaces for years and years, and it's the same data model that's used in both Matter and Zigbee. So at first, Matter is sort of adopted, the particular device types, let's call it, that are in the devices that I just listed out. And those are obviously home focused. Zigbee has been used in a lot of those other types of, of areas. And so there are sort of existing data models that can be grabbed and used in some of these other cases. But in, in lots of those cases, that may or may not be the right data model. So use that as a starting point and then adapt those. We do have a, a matter in commercial Tiger team that's evaluating commercial building. We do have a number of other groups that are evaluating those spaces. Matter's launch, uh, as I mentioned before, with those device types is particularly focused on smart home. When we have gotten a lot of interest from companies in those other fields, you know, a number of car manufacturers have been joining smart building companies, uh, building automation companies, let's call them instead, have been joining and then, like I said, evaluating those. And in some cases, the motion sensors will probably be exactly the same. You might need a different pairing mechanism, but the motion sensor in the room is going to be exactly the same. And so the light switch is going to be the same. The smart thermostat is going to be the same. So so there's there's clear paths to that, but that is not the, the focus on launch. But it is definitely an area that we're very interested in and, and we have a lot of members working on. Okay, great. Now, are there any device categories that you think are going to be very important for the IoT, but so far they're not connected, nobody's connected them yet? I mean, the follow-up to that is going to be, are you working with partners in the Wi-Fi ecosystem to get those connected? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think I can go two or three ways with it, but let me go in this one particular direction. So you mentioned hospitals, too, in the last question. And so we do not have a working group on this yet, but we have established a tiger team to evaluate a working group for medical and wellness interoperability. And so lots of these devices, particularly in the home, are connected, but they're still 
not connected with a standard, you know, so they still look like those Wi-Fi devices we were talking about before. Um, and they're, they're probably often Wi-Fi devices too. So like a connected scale is probably the first example that I would come up with. I think the insurance companies during the COVID pandemic in particular have adapted in ways they weren't willing to before to allow people to be seen by a doctor, potentially over a Zoom session at home so that you don't have to go to the hospital and then create more risky environments for COVID in the hospital. So that change has come for sure. And it's changed insurance. It's changed the way hospitals do business, doctors, offices do business. And that change is not going back, right? They're not just going to turn all that off tomorrow. So what is sort of the first thing that they want in that is to say, oh, well, if I could just weigh you and maybe take your blood pressure. Now I've I've upped the bar in terms of what I can actually do effectively with you on a kind of doctor-patient Zoom session. And that's just sort of the one on, on sort of, what do you call it, home doctor visits, right? And But then if you move into wellness, again, there's all these connected smartwatches, connected exercise bikes, and all those other types of things. They're all connected. It's all proprietary. So I believe that the way that Matter does things, mostly with Wi-Fi, but with other protocols as well, that helps these companies work together to create the language that will be the standard for how these devices could talk. And, you know, we already talked a lot about aging in place and those types of use cases. I think wellness is a secondary one on this sort of roadmap. And then seeing patients at home is one thing. But then when a patient is already at the hospital, they've been in in some patient care for a while. And now today, because I need this one expensive machine, you have to stay in the hospital for three more weeks. If we could just connect that one expensive machine and send it home with you, then that would be great. And again, I think they have the same problems that I had at Lowe's, right? Like right now, if I want to send that one expensive device home, how do I do it? Do I do it over HomeKit? Do I do it over Zigbee? Do I do it over some proprietary Wi-Fi thing? And what if you, the patient, don't have that thing? We do HomeKit, but you have Alexa at your house. So now Matter, again, is this thing that could solve that problem. I think we see this extenuating set of circumstances that could build use cases to to really move matter into a hospital in the long run if all of these ducks sort of line up the way that I'm at least thinking that they might. Yeah. So eventually, I'm guessing that consumers and healthcare providers and a lot of other people will look for matter when they're evaluating devices and, and evaluating systems that they want to put into place. I mean, yes, I definitely think so. Matter will appeal to developers as well as device manufacturers. Great. So overall, where do you think Matter and Wi-Fi will have the biggest impact with respect to the IoT? I think it's in the home. And if we really start to delve into the system architecture, system design architecture piece of of building management uh, as well, you know, however big a building is, it has Wi-Fi everywhere. And there's lots of solutions for for subnetting the Wi-Fi out. I believe that's a big part of why Matter went towards IP, not necessarily for Wi-Fi, but the other things that IP brings you, like Data 211X and those kinds of things that all Wi-Fi access points do support. And that kind of piece then is what building managers want today. It's, it's I just put Wi-Fi in. I can stick all those devices on it. I have solutions today for how to scope my Wi-Fi to make sure they can handle the future of how many laptops are going to be in the building, how many bring-it-yourself BYOD um, stuff, and how many smart devices I'm going to need, how many smart plugs are on the wall, how many light bulbs are in there, how many thermostats are in there. All of that can be scoped, managed in the way that they already manage IP networks. And that's where the real evolution in smart building is going to come. But we're still in a structure, right? I think outside of the structure, I don't know enough about where Wi-Fi might 
might be going outside in the woods or driving down the road. That's why I think 5G or, or LoRa or something is going to be more active in that space. But once you're inside a building, I, I mean, I just think it's, it's going to be Wi-Fi. Okay, great. And that leads into the next question, which is about developers and engineers and what they know and need to know about Matter going forward. Yeah. So one of the reasons that we did Matter in the first place was for that sort of problem right now. And I've mentioned this a couple of times, a couple of different ways. Engineers, they're supposed to make a connected device, have, have a lots of options. And Today, most of those options segment their available market, their serviceable market or whatever you want to call that. And again, the, the adoption promise behind Matter, the ubiquity promise that it will be supported in all the major ecosystems, starts to make Matter look like the only option going forth for a new connected device. And one of the, the things about the CSA, the Connectivity Standards Alliance, that we're trying to do is to be really easy to be the place where you come and you say, okay, I want to work on this new device type. You don't do that yet. We talked about those fitness machines, for example, right? Okay, we need a new language for fitness machines. You want to use Matter to be the, the protocol, then just come here. We can put together a working group. We can, not a working group, but a tiger team, a group that's evaluating what's the right language for that. And we can get that thing done in a couple of months, add it to a future version of Matter. And that's really where we want to go in the future. Okay, Chris. Well, one thing that is very much in the news, especially as people connect more and more devices in their homes, is the growing attack surface. And so I think it would be great if you could talk a little bit about how Matter addresses security concerns. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I always like to say, I've said this to pretty much every person I talk to about Matter, um, it was interoperability that really got everyone involved in Matter, and that was the problem they were trying to solve. But we all clambered into a room back literally just before the pandemic, and what we were talking about was security, right? Like that was the first word out of everybody's mouth. We didn't want our names sort of attached to, I mean, and, and again, it's, it's always an arms race for security, so there's always going to be zero-day things happening and responses had to be made. But we were concerned with security from the beginning. And so we really tried to layer everything in. So one of the first Tiger teams we created underneath our technical group was a threat model team. And so they just locked themselves in a room for a couple of months and thought about how do these smart devices, how could they be attacked? Uh, what are the different vectors for them to be attacked? And then we formed a bunch of other Tiger teams work looking at things like the secure channel or the device attestation. How does a, how does a device use a security certificate to get on the network? And then the, that threat model Tiger team had to then go off and look at all of those other Tiger teams output. What is the attack vector for this certificate being used for device attestation? What's the attack vector for this secure channel? And then all of those threats, there's lots of threats, <laughs> uh, had to be mitigated. Um, and in some cases, the mitigations were AES-128 it's not quite broken yet, but it's going to get broken by supercomputers very soon. So we just need to be agile. So once it's broken and once affordable silicon can manageably support AES-256 or whatever the next thing is, we need to be able to just one line of code, boom, start calling something else. The same with the curves that we're using for the, for the cryptography and all of that. It's very agile by design. And now we have this threat model as well. And we might have missed a threat where something does come in. We look through our threat model like, oh, that was something we missed. But we have really smart people in that room. Most of those should already be there, and we already have a script for sort of how to, how to handle this as a threat once it does come in as a vulnerability. And so the primary thing I'd say is that it was a very, very big focus for us 
and we're going to continue to keep that threat model team around. It won't be exactly the same team, but a security response team will be there for once any vulnerabilities do get reported or noticed. And we'll take that very seriously and, and, and move forward very, very quickly. All right, Chris LaFray, Head of Technology for the Connectivity Standards Alliance. Thank you so much for being here on The Signal. Thank you, Martha. And that is our show. As always, you can check the show notes for links to the resources we talked about today. And for all things Wi-Fi related, check out y-fi.org, wi-fi.org. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.